0: Welcome to the Love Fly Podcast. Paul Tizard, Fear of Flying Coach, and today's guest is Janice Hetherington, who has joined us via the Love Fly Facebook group, and we're looking forward to hearing her story. So, uh, welcome, Janice.
1: Thank you for having me I'm very excited.
0: No thank you. So we're dying to know about your story I, I, I like it when we get real real people your real person talk about what's happened to them what they've done with their fear how they got the fear and all that sort of stuff so start us off what so how did you end up in the Love Fly group and you know what tell us your story basically <laughs> and don't keep dropping me in the basket. <laughs>
1: Let me wedge this so it stops doing that. I got it. So, what happened was, it's very interesting because first, before I even tell the story, I can tell you that there was, n- I've had never had a bad experience on a plane. <laughs> and in my 20s, I used to fly a lot. I grew up in the north of England and I used to fly on tiny planes over to Belgium on a whim. I just would hop on, drink wine. And if the uh, plane was bumpy, I used to laugh. If I had one time, I had red wine spilled all over my shirt when I arrived, and I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I think I was maybe about 28, I flew from mm, London to Boston mm. in around 1992 ish. And I had a panic attack. And I did not use any tools to manage the panic attacks. So the whole flight from London to Boston, I was in a state of complete panic.
0: Do you have any idea where that came from?
1: Well, I tend to suffer from anxiety and panic attacks anyway. Right. But I think that because it happened on the plane, Mm. there was nothing about being on the plane, really. Uh, Probably just the lack of control, like we all have. But nothing what what seems to have happened was my brain decided because I had such a long long panic attack that it was now I have to stay off planes
0: (laughs) oh goodness how long ago was this
1: that was around 1992
0: ish oh wow right okay okay go keep going that's great so not great (laughs) obviously for you but you know wow (laughs)
1: So actually what happened was I didn't take any medication or nothing because I didn't anticipate the flight would be difficult because I'd never had a problem with flying before. Mm. So suddenly I'm on the plane and I'm, and I'm having that horrible experience internally, not externally. Nothing was wrong with the pl- flight. And when I arrived in Boston, I was in bed for about five days recovering from the flight or recovering from the anxiety, I should say, mm. from the whole experience. Mm. So then, of course, I was terrified to fly back because I still lived in the north of England. So I'm like, what? so I spent the whole rest of the time panicking about how I'm going to get back. So that was tough.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. so after that, I had a fear of a severe fear of flying, which became mm. I would say it was it was another phobia that I had. Uh, it yeah. became a phobia. Yeah. So. Yeah. At the point, at that point, I would if I even so was watching a movie and they show the inside of a plane, I'd start feeling nauseated. If I drove past the airport, I'd be like, "Thank God I'm not flying; those poor people, just all this so un, so unaware of what I was doing to myself too."
0: So, so so nineteen ninety two, you had all that going on, so, uh, but you're in California now. So we're thinking, yeah. well, how on earth did you get there? <laughs> boat um, so we, we you know so, so so that sounds pretty severe there and you and you had anxiety anyway which in other aspects of your life so what mm-hmm. happened next you know?
1: well then I had the opportunity to move to California and I thought okay I'll go do that
0: when was so when was that
1: That was 93. I moved back to, moved over to California in 93 and had the same approach to fly in, which was horrendous. (laughs) But I did it. And I think, I don't think I had any medication to help with that because in England, I know they don't give you anti anxiety medication very easily. So I don't, I honestly don't recall much about that flight, Mm. which is interesting.
0: Yeah. So you came (laughs) over in 93 yeah and then and then what so coming in the U.S. you you can't get I mean I know you can drive everywhere but flying is very accessible isn't it
1: very but I I realized or I accept didn't realize I accepted and had this mindset of I'm now grounded for the rest of my life and Uh flying was never going to be an option I was not open to addressing it, hearing about it, reading about it. It was just absolutely not an option. I was, that's it. Stuck in California for the rest of my life. And I did road trips for something like 27 years. Oh, wow. And that's...
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of road there as well. Crikey. So you drove <laughs> everywhere, all around the US and... Yeah. Goodness me.
1: Yeah. Because um. Flying was, I don't care if I'm on, I didn't care if I was on a bus or a car for weeks, as long Mm. as I'm on the ground.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it, it, so it became so embedded from that 93 flight. So when you you made it over in 94, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's it. You've just, so 27 years. Yes.
1: And it was a very, very rigid mindset of any time it came up in conversation that people, were, you know, about travel, I would just say, no, I don't fly. I haven't been anywhere. I move, I've move. i moved to the U.S. and I haven't flown since.
0: Wow. Yeah. OK.
1: And then uh, I'll let you ask questions because I feel no, like. No, no,
0: go care. on. Just, yeah, yeah, just tell us your story. It's great.
1: <laughs> OK. Well, my all of my family still live in the north of England, so I did not go back to visit them about 26 years. I never went back. Right. And then my parents started getting older. They had me when they were young, so they're still relatively young, but they start developing health problems. And, you know, life, you just realize as you get older that life, we're not here forever, and you can't just postpone something for the next Mm. 50 years anymore. So I realized, okay, I have to fly. (laughs) So I, I actually... What I did was I joined a different Overcome Your Fear of flying group on Facebook. I found nothing in it of value. The people were nice, but just nothing clicked for me at all. Mm. I I read books. I listened to various meditations. Just nothing was touching it. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just have to knock myself out. I, I take Xanax for flying, and I just thought, I'll just knock myself out. <laughs> so that's the only way I could do it. Uh, and so... Prior to – I actually did a practice flight maybe two years ago to San Francisco, uh, medicated, and I recall nothing about it. So it's kind Mm. of cheating in a way because your body's on the plane, but you you are not really. Yeah,
0: yeah. So like Mr. (laughs) T, you just got knocked out.
1: (laughs) Yes. So then going back to the flight, getting back to England, I had to go see my parents. So – I booked a flight December 2019, right before the pandemic. And I spent about four months mm. not sleeping, like I've seen all the other people in the group say, um, not sleeping, not eating, just complete panic and feeling yes. like I, I just can't do it. I'm going to have to cancel. Yeah, yeah. It's about 11, approximately 11 hour flight. And then, of course, they live in the north of England. So I'm supposed to get a flight from from London up to Newcastle, which I was not willing to do. So we drove. But I did the flight, but I was medicated. Right. So.
0: But it's still impressive. So, what was it like then? So, for the 26 years, 26, 27 years, you never went back. So, did they come to visit you? How does it work? They,
1: they came over two times, right. my parents. Yeah. maybe three. Yeah. But then they got too old to fly. They lost confidence, and you know, they, as you get into your seventies, it's just not really very inviting for some people to fly mm. and travel that far.
0: Mm. So, so that it just goes to shows, doesn't it? The the impact of once the fear takes hold that you can't even get back. That's that's quite tremendous. So, so 2019 before the pandemic, you took a flight, drugged up. Mm-hmm. And then, so yep. then, so how did you know, then what happened next? How, how did you find us? Well, uh, you know, what, you know, what what happened after that?
1: I think I found you through a fellow person who was chat, working on their front flying issue in a different group. She rec- hmm. she's British also, and she recommended your group. And once I found it, I don't, it's I don't know. There's something completely different about the approach, and it really. grabbed my attention so I started listening to the podcasts possibly before the 2019 flight I'm not sure or but I have flown again back to England June of this year so actually I think it was this year that I have discovered your group okay okay so yes that's when it was so 2019 I didn't know about your Mm. support pay support group but I listened to the podcasts prior to my flight this year and for some reason, it just grabbed my attention. And I think what it was about it was you addressed the, the thinking behind it rather than I think the other groups I'd been in only were focused on exposure and desensitization, mm. not really the psychology so much. Right. And I needed the psychology. Because something I don't want to forget to share with you that has been absolutely mind-blowing for me through learning this from your group is that I just took another flight this weekend up to, last weekend up to San Jose from San Diego. It's about an hour and a half. Mm. Took very little Xanax because I wanted to um, progress and everything. But this is the biggest thing I have learned. And it's so transferable to the whole rest of life. It's absolutely life-changing because what I learned is it's not the plane. It's not the flight. It is my thinking. It's my outlook on it. Mm. Because on both of those flights, nothing happened unpleasant. Not one thing. I sat in the front seat. It was beautiful out the window. Everyone was nice. Tiny little bit of bumps. So to experience it, being awake and conscious, like why did I – have such a completely debilitating phobia of this. Yes. When there's really nothing about it, of course there's discomfort, mm. especially for someone who has an anxious personality, have anxiety and phobias. It's, yes. it's, you know, you're confined and you can't get out if you panic and things. But anyway, the the most important point I feel that I want, don't want to forget is now that I've learned that you can apply that to the rest of life. It's it's Some not
0: heavy stuff, Janice.
1: It really is because I'm in my fifties now, and I've lived with a certain mindset. Mm. I tried to evolve, but now I've realized my fear of flying is like probably the second biggest fear I've ever had. And I've just been flying, discovering that there was nothing to be afraid of.
0: How annoying! Was,
1: <laughs> I was grounded for twenty-seven years because of my mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's quite profound quite struck by that I mean that's a 27 years do you know
1: what I mean it's huge because not only now do I feel like I can travel and see some of the world I can also know that I have this tendency to completely catastrophize and it doesn't you don't have to think that way there are Mm. other ways to think because we come so entrenched in our thoughts And so used to living with that mindset and way of thinking, we're not even conscious of it anymore. So that's the biggest thing I've learned from this group is to change my way of thinking. It's very surreal to sit on the plane with only a tiny, tiny bit of medication and look around and think, this is actually really nice. And to land, I mean, it's only a short flight. I went from San Diego to San Jose, but Mm. I ended up next to the the, um, Golden Gate Bridge an hour and a half later. And for people who fly, that's normal. For me, I was like, oh my God, I'm in, um, all of a sudden I'm in San Francisco. People live like this. (laughs) So now I'm trying to look at the rest of my life and think, how can I change my thoughts? How can Mm. I change the way I view things? to expand and experience life in a different way. So this work that you're doing and providing for people is not only allowing us to experience traveling the world and seeing our loved ones and having more freedom, but I think if you are open to it, it can make you also become conscious of how you think about everything else in your life. Are we rigid in our thoughts? Is there some room for a, mm. more of an open mind and a different way of looking and experiencing something?
0: Mm. That's quite a scary responsibility. I don't want to think like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. As <laughs> you Ron, need to. Captain Ron would say, don't blame your success on us. That's, you've done that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to, though, because I'm, I suspect I'm not the only one. Because right. when your fear of flying is so, so, um, Significant. It can't. It cannot only be. The change can't only be confined to the flying. I don't think. When you're no. overcoming fear.
0: No, that's a, that's a fair point, actually. So just so to sort of help, because in a way you've kind of leapfrogged into the sort of the end bit, which is you know, which is great. Yeah. But <laughs> well, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, what what were the bits that you listened to? What in particular messages that. You know, so somebody else is listening thinking, I want a bit of that. What was your process or, you know, which ones did you listen to? How often? That type of thing. How did, how did you do it?
1: Honestly, I don't remember which episodes. I did, I did stay, look through the group and, and choose the ones that people said were most important to start with. Mm. I don't remember specifically which ones, but um, I listened to them most days of the week. I would go on walks and listen to them while walking. So there's no
0: distractions. What about so you said there's some psychological stuff which you found particularly helpful. What what sort of stuff was that? I'm curious <laughs> now because we just you know we started and
1: yes. just did what
0: I thought was right, and so it's really interesting when you're then you've got a comparison to where another group runs and stuff. Because right. I, I did look at what other people were doing, but I didn't particularly. I I just had some tips from somebody who said this is how you set up a facebook group to work best and right. do this and do it you know show up every week and and so i just i just literally right. followed that i yeah. haven't done anything special just literally just followed someone else's advice mm-hmm. about running it so that's really interesting right. for me and nice to hear but also i'm I'm really curious like what's the psychological stuff that you think is has, has, has helped you in particular
1: I think the piece that your your group has, that the other groups I was in did not have, is being aware of the way you think, taking control of your thoughts, taking control of your body, its reactions to fear. The other groups I, I experienced only focused on, which I know you have and is definitely helpful, is the noises we hear in the plane the procedures, what things mean, all of that's helpful because the education does help instead of just going, oh my God, like I used to have a thing about the beeps. Each time the sit, the beep would go off, whatever it's called, the, ring, the ding, I would panic. But yeah. now I just relax and think it's not up to me to deal with that. So the content of your group helps with the educational aspect mm. of not understanding what's going on, but taking control of the adrenaline that we have with the breathing exercises, noticing your body and just taking control of not allowing yourself to spiral and then end up in a complete panic. Mm. And the weird thing is I have been a yoga teacher since about 1980 something. <laughs> and I know about breathing and know about like, managing panic attacks, and I never applied it to flying. So I think the combination of how you presented it, I remembered to use those skills that I already had, which I think a lot of people who are anxious have those, but we Mm. forget when it comes to something as big as being on a plane. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically being aware of your thinking and addressing it and choosing to have control Mm. over it instead of just surrendering to complete panic debilitating anxiety yeah. when it comes to flying so i think i hope that makes sense because that's definitely was the important part for me that helped
0: yeah it does i mean my interpretation of what you're saying is the fact that like a lot of people you've got resources but you haven't linked them and a lot of people you know i always always say that we're much more resourceful than we realize and people have done amazing things and continue to do amazing things but they're unable to make the link to the flying yeah it's so they, yes. they sort of go into sort of a freeze
1: yeah i mean there
0: you are as a, a, a you know a yoga guru probably and you haven't made the link and yet you're you know you're better trained to the breathing stuff than most people i do i come across you know so it's, it's an I interesting have... link
1: it is because I've had anxiety and panic attacks since the age of fifteen. I'm fifty-seven. I've controlled panic attacks and anxiety my whole life through breathing, yoga, exercise, not medication. But I was, but the the flying remained its own entity over here. Mm. That was like nothing. Nothing would help with that. That was yeah. my way of thinking. I can control my panic if I'm in the street, if I'm in my car, but flying's a whole other thing. Mm. But it's actually not true. No, and I didn't know that for a long time.
0: <laughs> I mean, when you hear yourself say that now, does that say it must seem weird thinking that you've had all that got sc- training and skills and experience, and you you hadn't been able to apply it?
1: No, it was, and I think looking back, it was a decision. If I had been open to it, I could have thought, you know, how to control these things. You know mm. the signal that your body gives you know what the breathing does yes but it's like yeah well but that doesn't mean it's gonna I'm not gonna do it on a plane though it was like very very stubborn like the plane is not an option flying's not an option and my mind was completely closed and I think it would have stayed closed if I hadn't found your group to be honest I would have just thought well my brother can take care of my parents I just simply can't fly there I'm sorry
0: yeah I mean that's that's a huge thing, isn't it? You know, just think mm-hmm. I, I literally can't go over there just because it's... of this, this fear. I mean, that's the cost of it, isn't it? It's the impact. And I think that's it's... something that I've always believed is that thinking about what's the impact, you know, what, is this is this fear serving me? Because it's not.
1: It's not, and and it's 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 a really huge thing. For example, my brother had two children. I've had two children here, and he and I had never met each other's kids until two thousand nineteen. Mm. His kids are in their twenties; mine are late teens, and we they'd never met because of yeah. my fear of flying. Yeah. This is big, big. It really impacts you a lot. It's not just it's not only about traveling to the Bahamas and seeing Hawaii and the beautiful beaches. It's being able to see loved ones and yeah no, people think, perhaps who need medical things you know stuff like that
0: yeah it is I know for many years I used to think it was a little a bit sort of flim, flimsy you know like uh, yeah, it's this it's just a fear of flying because I, I don't quite know how it ended up with me doing it but it's just it did and I used to think it was a bit sort of flimflam you know it's like oh it's just a bit of fear of, you know it's it, it's just to help people go on holiday, I can't, and although I knew it wasn't, but I used to sort of almost talk myself down with it, thinking,
1: mm-hmm.
0: "Well," and and then over time, I started to think, actually, this is not about that. This is about choices. Yes, yeah, and there's a, sort of like it became like an epiphany to epiphany to me. I just thought, actually, this thing stops you having choices, and if you've got no choices, then it's running your life, and in lots of ways, because it, it sort of Creeps into other aspects, doesn't it? Because you have a sort of definition of yourself, like, oh, never, yeah. "I'll never, I'm a nervous flyer." Therefore, in some way, I'm defunct, you know, or something, you know. So I'm thinking, actually, so I think you're right. It's much, much bigger than just going on some jolly, isn't it? It's,
1: <laughs> it really is. Life choices. Because- Absolutely, and it's not even just a fearful flyer. It's just I don't fly. I don't like motion. I don't like um. I never will fly. I don't like boats. People, I have friends who go out on the boat. They're like, "Come on, it's lovely. Have a beer, listen to some music." I'm like, "What's enjoyable about that?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you say saying, I have great fun." You do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> no,
0: I'm not doing it. Sorry. Um, so, so, so this is really interesting. So, so now. You are flying with a little mm-hmm. bit of Xanax. Xanax, how do you say? Bit. Yeah, it's a little bit. I don't know what that is, but I guess, is it like, is it like diazepam? Is it that sort of?
1: Yes, it's it, the same as Valium and all of those things. It just it's out of the system more quickly.
0: Right, okay. So,
1: yeah. So, this time when I flew from San Diego to San Jose, I on the flight back, I wanted to take none, just as a triumph. But... I, My mind was calm and I wasn't panicking. I was standing there waiting the first one to get on, but I was physically having a lot of adrenaline and it was making Mm -hmm. my whole body tingle. And I thought, I don't want to have a panic attack. So I took a tiny bit, just a teeny bit, take the edge off. And um, what happened was I experienced things on a flight I never have before. And they were a little bit scary, but intriguing rather than Mm. panic. So, you know, like when you take off, the engines are very, very powerful. And I didn't know because I haven't flown when I'm really going. (laughs) When you're alive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm usually a dead body. Resuscitate
0: me at the end of the flight, please.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You should hear my 16 year old daughter's account of flying to England the first time because she was my flying companion and there was a whole lot of things that happened because I was basically dead in the seat. But uh, this time, the engines are so, so powerful for takeoff. This is a new experience for me, mm. really loud and powerful. And I didn't know that once you reach a certain height, things go really calm and quiet. So I was like, oh, we're going to fall from the sky because I've never felt it before. No. But I just trusted it because I've been learning enough about the process and I just thought, it's okay. You haven't experienced this before. Mm. I'm sure normal. <laughs> Nobody else is panicking. No. It's okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you've got you. So you your the thing I like is that you're you're curious about it now because you like all oh, that. Yes. I'm, I'm noticing things.
1: Very curious. I sat. I took a picture of the inside of the door when it was closed. I, I was able to watch what everybody does. I was what staring. A great at a sort of
0: holiday photo that is, isn't it? <laughs> Here's the inside <laughs> of the door. Here's my seat.
1: <laughs> oh, you, great, Janice. Yeah, you, thanks. Oh my- yeah. <laughs>
0: Got I know anymore. my
1: daughter said I can't. <laughs> my daughter says I can't stand you and your videos of the the inside of the plane and the clouds. It's just so boring. Who wants to see that? <laughs> I said you would be surprised how many people love to see the inside yeah. of the door and the shape of the seats and how many there are. Just <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Look, um... everyone, the door's closed. <laughs> I must have stared at the staff for a very long, like the entire flight, because one of them looked at me and she said, are you OK? I said, yeah, I'm good. But I was just, uh, you know, looking at them for reassurance, even though I was doing OK.
0: Mm. Yeah, a lot of people watch the crew. I I think there's a, I've got 50 50 on that. You know, I think there's something, you know, if they just look like they, they're not bothered, then you can kind of take some comfort from that. But also. Yeah. They all—they're also at work, and so they're not really yeah. monitoring their faces.
1: No, that's true. You might see something
0: that worries you when they just run out of beef or chicken, you know.
1: And you're like, "Oh no, we've dropped six hundred feet." Yeah,
0: no, and they have run out of chicken. Um, yeah, so it's—it's it's easy to sort of read into these things, isn't it? So yes, it, it sounds like you're making great. So. So you are flying. You're taking a little bit of Xanax. You're starting to be curious about the process. You're seeing all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. You're taking videos of the inside of doors and of seats. <laughs> and so it's you know it's pr- pretty adrenaline fueled stuff. Um, it is. So what's next? What, you know what? What's the plan?
1: Well, what's next is I know I still have a lot of challenges because ahead, I don't want to get too confident in my thing of because I've only had good flights. You know, it's ever They're since all good I've
0: flights. begun. As long as the number of right. landings, as long as the number of <laughs> landings equal the number of takeoffs, it's a good flight.
1: What, That's, what do true. You want? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I need it to be completely smooth the entire time. I can handle maybe two minutes of bumpiness. No, I'm kidding. What's next for me is I, well, I made a couple of notes. Well, yeah, I don't know if you saw. Your group is very active, but I, I initially accidentally booked myself onto a a very small well in my mind a very small plane it only seats 76 people and when I booked it I told myself I'm not even this I'm so evolved now I'm not even going to look at what kind of plane it is I'm just going to show up and then I looked at what plane it was and I'm like was that the Embraer
0: bit wasn't it yeah
1: yeah. that was it and I was like nope I'm not getting on that so I still don't want to fly on that so I have a credit with that airline if I wanted to make a big step forward, I feel like I would fly on that plane, and I'm not ready to do that yet. Okay. So I'm going to use the credits to to go on what I consider a normal, acceptable size plane.
0: You're a bit fussy. So then. I'll
1: <laughs> just a little.
0: So you know what, what meets your criteria then?
1: <laughs> I don't really like the size of the planes that fly from the north to the south and back and forth in England, but I've gotten used to it. I'll tell you a little moment that helped me so much. Uh, when I when I arrived and I was in London and boarding the plane to Newcastle and I saw the size of the plane and I wasn't ready for that. And I, I panicked and went to see the pilots and I said, I didn't, and I'd had taken Xanax and it's embarrassing. And I said, I didn't know the plane was this size. <laughs> And they're looking at me like, God, what are we supposed to say to this woman carrying her mountains of pillows and her, like, everything, all of her accessories? She, she seems really weird. And they tried saying all these things to comfort me and nothing worked. And then the younger pilot looked at me and he said, do you know, the flight's only 40 minutes. I said, it is? I can do that. And I turned around and went and sat happily in my seat because I thought it's 40 minutes. I can do this.
0: And then he but breathed a sigh of relief and, God, she's gone. <laughs>
1: exactly Take your pillows oh with my you. god yeah. <laughs> let's hope we don't have any more aloes on the plate okay. you know, so, the so that's
0: interesting isn't it so you've made a sort of rule there that you can sort of withstand something for a certain amount of time yes. this is quite common by the way that people you know some is people it? won't fly over they'll say i can do up to three hours I won't do, you know, I won't do four hours or I can, <laughs> there's little rules that we set ourselves. So you you kind of put one, but not knocking it, it's still phenomenal progress. So this tiny aircraft we're talking about, which is probably still a, what was it, 100 seater or something?
1: Probably about the same size as the one I took recently up the coast last weekend, about 100 and maybe 140 people or something.
0: Oh, yeah, tiny then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only like, like, 500 and above. Yeah, but yes, of course, still... yes.
0: yes. Yeah. I don't I think you'll get anything that like that blind as Newcastle, but there you go.
1: <laughs> Who wants to go there? <laughs> Oops, <laughs> no offence, anyone. I still have a lot of restrictions and a lot of rules. I don't want to get on a tiny plane. I can do more than two hours because I've flown to England and back, but... Mm. Um, I have to sit a certain way. I've found that sitting in the very front seat is so much easier because I don't see all. I, I don't like all the people crammed around me. That yeah. makes me very claustrophobic. So when I sit at the front, I can block everything out behind yeah. me, and it's just me in my little seat. That so was, can I just uh, ask
0: then, just a curious yeah. question: If you were on a a, pl- uh, a train and it was full, would that be the same thing for you? So is it you know is it or is it just I more? Care. Is it aircrafts? So. It's, Right, it's aircraft specific then. Okay.
1: It is, yes. Interesting. Yes, it is. So you're making progress.
0: um, You're making progress. So you're you're working out what your patterns are at the moment. And it sounds like you're you're, uh, playing with them a bit, experimenting.
1: I I am. Um, and I do have a lot of stipulations. For example, a friend of mine just flew from the north of California to Vegas, and I'm not willing to fly into Vegas because it's especially not in the summer because it's very hot there and it's mountainous, so there's pockets of air. And most people who fly there have told me it's it's a very, very bumpy flight. So I'm not going to fly to Vegas. It's only a six-hour drive. Yet. How about <laughs> yet? At some point in yes. the winter, some point, I will do it when it's not so bumpy
0: (laughs) Well, you might be bumpy anyway i mean that's what you want really isn't it so you're doing so well so we we need something with a bit more bit more action going on don't you so that you can practice some i suppose yeah (laughs) i suppose you'll thank me honestly so right? the, there's, it's great you you're doing really well and I, what I love is the fact that you're you're challenging some of these rules but they are yes there are still some there that you've got to work with which is you know which is quite normal and I quite like the fact that you've come on the podcast not as the finished article but as somebody mm. who's had some made some progress but also has got can see that you've got some stuff to do and I think that's nice it's nice and realistic you know
1: Actually, I appreciate that because I was feeling disappointed that I'm having a podcast with you, but I'm not completely cured. But I, but that's also helpful for p- other people because as as we've seen, it's not a straight line. There's going to be times where you feel like you're doing fantastic, and then you'll have mm-hmm. a downfall. Hopefully, it doesn't set you too far back. But I think we tend to have this still this mindset. I feel like yes, I've made a lot of progress, and I'm really proud, and it's very empowering. But then my mind does this thing again of, yeah, but you're only doing well because your flights have been smooth. <laughs> you know, oh, it's like
0: this. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's it's an interesting thing that basically what happens is that people who are fighting a fear of flying will take a flight and then unless they're 100% perfect, they kick the crap out of themselves afterwards yeah. and say, yeah, but you didn't. I've had people on on courses, and I, I think I've told this story before. But people yeah, you know, they've not flown for thirty years or forty years, and then and then when they they land, I'll say to them, "How was that?" And they say, "Oh, I I, I cried on takeoff. I am really disappointed with myself." I says, "Yeah, but you took off. You went. You know, <laughs> give you, be a bit sort of be a bit more compassionate to yourself because
1: yeah.
0: you know it's, it's not it's not like a tick box thing. It's it's had a long time being." practicing being scared and so it's going to take a little while to to unpick that you know so I think you're doing amazing
1: thanks I don't know why we do that to ourselves but we do we don't just celebrate and think wow I'm doing great The mind just plays games with us all the time and I think there's no bigger way really to see that than when you have a fear of flying that keeps you grounded for so so long and then you Mm. actually fly and you're like this is it. I'm not saying it's easy, but no. it's nothing like the mind has built it up to be. No. Are there things you were going to ask? Are there things I still need to do in my work? Yes. One of my goals is I want to fly with no medication, no sedatives at all, and to be able to manage the feelings that come up.
0: Yeah. It doesn't sound like you're too far away from that, actually.
1: No, I'm not. And if I hadn't had that adrenaline happening at the airport, at the gate... I, w- I really wanted to do that last flight with nothing, mm. but I didn't just get a grip, you know. And I, I didn't really know that if your mind is calm. Well, actually, I did know that. <laughs> I just didn't know it with with um, reference to flying. I do know that sometimes you're not having anxious thoughts, but your body is still having an anxious response, yeah. physiological response. Well, it's you've needs- got
0: you know, it's got it's. I suppose it's a bit of a form of muscle memory, isn't it? You sort of uh-huh. we we know how to to do that. Our bodies remembered it, and so it's very easy yeah. to. And also, we can misread physiological things. So you know, we we might feel like hungry and feel uh-huh. like oh, actually, I feel a bit giddy. Therefore, it could be. And so, you know, we will misinterpret it because it is a sort of a circle type thing. I don't know why I'm signaling what a circle looks like because it's an audio (laughs) podcast, for goodness sake. But yeah, so it's cyclical, isn't it? So I think that's quite normal. Because I could have had that. Amazing.
1: I'm just excited to talk about this. I could (laughs) have had the same physiological experience in a different circumstance and I would not have taken anything for it because I would have thought it's just adrenaline I can just breathe this away it will pass yeah but I didn't want to do that whilst I'm walking onto the plane
0: (laughs) no and I can understand that because this what you've achieved has a sort of a fragile feel about it at the moment (laughs) it feels like you're kind of treating it with kid gloves and and don't want to you know just go full throttle like I'm fine and go. Cartwheeling onto an aircraft, you're you're sort of you're taking it quite carefully, aren't you? Sort of, and so I understand why you might have just thought about about something. You know, I don't want to. That's a really
1: great, very very good point because I also don't want to do anything to get any big setback. That's why I wasn't willing to fly on the smaller plane because I feel like I'm doing I'm doing well. And I'm not ready to have a big setback because I'm afraid of falling too far back and then going into that place of nope. I hate flying. I'm not mm. doing it. I'm absolutely necessary because I would like to fly somewhere nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're making some, you know, nice steady progress. And and I do think it is more wiggly than direct. For most people, you know, I, it's, it tends to be five steps forwards and then ten steps back, and then and we I've even had people come on the podcast. who have done really well. And then a complete setback at some point mm-hmm. and then felt like they've yeah. they failed in some way. It's just like it's not it's not the case, you know. It's just it gets mm-hmm. a hold, you know, and the, the, the gremlin's been there for a while. And the little bastard yes. pops up again every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Did
1: those people work. manage, did uh, they manage to overcome that big fallback and keep most, going
0: forward? There's most. There's one at the moment who I have high high hopes for, but needs a little bit more work. But yeah, most of I've got back, and and I think it, the the most important thing is what you do next. So it, it blips or yes. setbacks are inevitable. Yes, they are completely. In, it's what you do next, and and I'm saying it like I'm some sort of expert. I'm not just seen it so many times. I, right. I don't know if I, I don't know. I've never had to fight a fear of flying. I don't know what that's like. Mm. Uh, you know. So I've had other things, but just i can only imagine what it's like where you think i'm going to die this is yes. to, you know what it is isn't it you know it's not like it when people think you know public speaking is meant to be up there with the top three fears and people yes. think they're gonna die but they're not gonna die
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: like you're getting wiped out by a flip chart you know but it's <laughs> But in aircraft, there's a slight, slight something could happened to you. So there is a little bit of logic there, isn't there? You know, even though but it's you know, might it's completely out of proportion.
1: But you know what's interesting, though? People have said to me so many times, and it really bugs me because, <laughs> but they mean well. But they always would say flying is the safest form of transport, and I would want to. I'm not going to repeat what I'd like to say to them when they say that because I'm not actually afraid of dying in a plane. I never have been. Mm. My thing is claustrophobia and loss of control. It's never—I've never worried about it's going to crash into the mountains, or we're going to just the engines will die, and we'll just crash into the sea. I've never ever cared or worried about that. So I forgot what my point was about that. But yeah, Wait, yes, there annoying, is
0: annoying people.
1: Yes. Annoying people saying, but it's the safest form of travel.
0: <laughs> I know people used just, to say to me, well, uh, yeah, you know, I used to hear some really helpful inverted commas. Like they'd say, yeah, but got more chance of being kicked to death by a donkey. It's just like, how's that even helpful? You know, or relevant. <laughs> I don't know any donkeys, <laughs> but just, just, I think people mean well. But the they other do. thing is that and I think this is quite a common thing and Michael Common was set, talking about this. There's something I've noticed is that the other thing happens as well. So you say to somebody, "I don't like flying," and then they give you their story of death, do yes. they, or their Magaluf plummet story, which is what I always used to say. And <laughs> how's that helpful? You know, I've just told you I don't <laughs> like it, so now you're going to tell me some crappy story which isn't even true. <laughs> like Your experience, you know, because but they're not scared.
1: I'm impressed by your group and, uh, and by the work you teach, considering you don't, have never experienced a fear of flying. That's very interesting. I mean, I didn't think you would have because of your background, the little that I know about it. So it's interesting that you're providing a service to people of something that's very, very debilitating and significant, and you've never actually experienced that. That's quite an achievement also. Because usually you need to be able to relate in some way to be able to address a struggle someone has.
0: So. Well, I can relate to to fear, but I can't you know, it's mm. so not I can't relate to it. It's just that I haven't had that specific thing. And also right. there is there's, there's there's a good argument. So it's like, you know, to be a counselor, do you need to have experienced every form of loss uh, to be a good that's counselor? True. So you could that's say absolute you know so you might have higher empathy but does that necessarily mean you're any more effective you know like not every midwife is given birth and and if they had they might have like their if they'd had an easy delivery then would then think oh come on pull yourself together you know yeah. so it's so I don't know whether it's you I know mean, necessary to to have experienced having seen it firsthand I think just also being a coach and you know how hard it is to to change habits you know just uh, I think about myself trying to sort of stick to a diet or go to the <laughs> gym regularly how hard it is just to stick to, to a plan so I'm always amazed at what people you know people do the 30-day program I think how are you doing that you know because I've done what I did a 30-day program which is what inspired me to put one on on something but I literally by about day 22 I was I, I was had to almost like sellate myself to the screen to watch it because I just didn't <laughs> want to do it. I couldn't be bothered anymore, you know. And think these people that are doing it. So I might, I'm really impressed that people do do these things because you know it takes some resolve, doesn't it, to do stuff like that?
1: It does. I'm amazed you got to 22 days. I usually cannot get through the first day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you go.
1: <laughs> but that is a very good point, though. You don't have to have experienced something to be have empathy and skills to address it and support others going through it. That's that's true. That's it is, thing. yeah.
0: Fear is fear. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the basis of learning a fear is pretty much the same and maintaining it is the same. You could apply it to anything. But there's a, well, the other thing that's going on with the group, which I think is phenomenal, I, and I'm totally blown away by it, is by how much everyone's helping each other. Yes. So what started off with a couple of us kind of posting when we could now it's like this there's, there's people just on it all the time you know just mm-hmm. and just willingly giving their time to support others which I think mm-hmm. is really important in terms of beating a fear because it's reinforcing your own journey as well so I think I know the best way to learn anything is to teach someone else you know but it's it's just yes. going on the group I'm you know I'm gobsmacked I can't thank people enough for what they're doing it's just phenomenal and people some people I see a lot but others I see pop up I've never seen them before you know I just think Mm -hmm. who are you and and how are you so helpful and and then they disappear (laughs) again you know it's just amazing so I'm very grateful for that we you know us love fly a lot look at that and go this is just mind-blowing you know and it's hopefully it'll keep going because as the the numbers grow I have a little bit of a worry that you know that it might lose something of that yeah Supportive nature, you know, where it just gets,
1: yes.
0: you know, which is a, I suppose it's a nice problem to have, but it's just, yeah. So that's my hope is that it stays whatever it is that you liked about it. it keeps doing that, you know.
1: That's a very understandable concern because having been in lots of different Facebook groups, the larger they get, and you have, you know, it's a public forum, and there are people and people are not always easy. And I honestly, I've been on Facebook since it came out. And this is the only group I have been in where there's never, ever anyone saying anything disrespectful, rude, unkind, there is nothing but compassion, respect. Mm. And that's very, very unusual on a public forum online.
0: Yeah,
1: I feel like you're attracting a certain kind of people that uh, just don't I don't know I do hope it stays that way I'm I'm pretty sure it will because that's to me that's just the energy and the feel the group has there's a lot of compassion and kindness no judgment no Mm. everything you know I think there's a lot of empathy in the whole crowd
0: yeah it's amazing oh yeah Mm -hmm. I'm glad you can see that I think so too and Mm -hmm. I think I've only removed one person but if anything was like that if saw, there's been a couple of com- comments which I've thought mm, I'm not sure about that you know so then mm-hmm. but somebody normally spots it and we we jump on it but it's been mm-hmm. just I just want it to stay say stay a safe place That's why I made it a yeah. private group pretty soon so it isn't you've got to join and then you've got to go through right. a couple of questions and if people don't oh. say I agree to the rules we don't let them in right and it's a stupid I know it's a tick box thing and they might not mm-hmm. even look at them. But it just gives us some sort of level of protection that they're, they're agreeing to it. And and the rules are pretty simple, but it's just if they can't, if people don't tick that, they don't get in.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and people, who I think, who are not willing to do those things to, you know, remain positive and kind and respectful, they don't really have the patience to even tick the boxes.
0: Um... Yeah, I think some people just are sort of like a bit stressed and they just, so there's some really nice people that have not not done that. And then they've come back and they've done all the stuff and then we go, great. And so I get, I do get that, but I do think you're right. I do. It makes me think, well, if you can't even tick that, then (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know,
0: so, but thankfully, there's lots of lovely people in the group, and let's hope it stays that way. You know,
1: so. I think it will. I think it will. It's it's a really wonderful. I'm eternally grateful, honestly. And if I can come back and share anything with anyone, that's it's actually that's why I'm so excited to talk with you. Is because mm. it's such a huge thing. Mm. To, that you that does carry over into the rest of your life. Yes. I'm very thankful that I get to speak with you about it. To thank well, you, thank for you for it. you.
0: I like having. am really grateful to have a real person come on and tell their story. You know, and, yeah. uh, I was intrigued by yours when I saw how long since you hadn't flown. I thought, oh, that's that's we, we want to know the details. You know, we want the deets. So the other thing I was going to say was so just to sort of like because I'm aware of the time we <laughs> have flown by. What's your What's your bit of advice for anybody that's struggling maybe where you are maybe not as far as you are right now anything you know what would be your consolidated wisdom to to finish
1: with that i think the fear lies within us it's not the plane it's not the flight it's our own fear and we have to search for whatever means we can to soothe the fear not not beat it because you cannot beat it you have to meet it with a oh, whatever tools whether it's breathing whether it's yoga whatever meditation learn ways to soothe the nervous system because really it, the most mind-blowing thing for me was it's not the flight and it's not the plane it's your internal experience it's your outlook mm-hmm. on things mm-hmm. and that was just mind-blowing because i didn't even know that <laughs>
0: no only because Bina being a yoga teacher for 30 years of course you you just hadn't made the link
1: I should be I should be ashamed of myself
0: (laughs) no not doing that no no self-flagellation going on here no you've done amazing and keep doing what you're doing and it's a very inspiring story to have overcome that after so long an absence so don't you know, what happens next, whether you, have a, whether you have a blip or whatever. Yeah. nothing. Nobody can take that away from you. That's, it's a phenomenal thing.
1: It is. And I'm very, very grateful. And it's um, I'm able to go see my family now and help my parents in their aging and then travel and have nice holidays and apply it to the rest of life. We must look at our internal approach to life, our mindset, and address the anxiety because anxiety doesn't always have to win. It doesn't. Mm.
0: What a great one to finish on. <laughs> Janice, thank you very much. That's been really, really good. And I'm gonna say the word brilliant. It's been brilliant. It's um, been brilliant
1: to talk to you. Really, too. really, really
0: helpful. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I'm very grateful for everything you all do. And thanks for your time today. I'm no, really pleasure. Thank
0: on you. you. I'm glad we got to do it, especially with the eight hour time difference as well. I mean just
1: I know. Which blows
0: my mind, but there you go. We, we, we worked it out in the end.
1: <laughs> we did. Thank you very much for everything.